sit here for two hours. So I want to give you a quick word today. So if you have your Bibles, turn or click to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is also going to be on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. And I love the wording here because this scripture, it starts out with the word, therefore. Therefore. So basically what that word is doing, it is actually there to connect the ancient heroes of faith, the the forefathers, these average people who were able to live extraordinary lives because of their faith in God. And so when you read Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Enoch and Abel and Noah and Moses and Sarah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Samson and on and on and on and on. And so in light of all of these individuals, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, all of these guys, these these heroes in the faith, if you will, let us do something. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. I love the wording here. The race, the race that is set before us looking to who? Looking to Jesus, the founder and protector of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to talk to you today on the subject of the race. Turn to somebody and say the race. The race. Come on, say it with some conviction. The race. Your life and my life is likened to a race. So Father, we thank you again for these moments to be here today. We thank you for all of the graduates that that are here and even the ones that were not able to be here today. We thank you for these individuals, for, for the success that they've had in their lives. We thank you for their hard work and their dedication. And God, we just wanted to take a moment to honor them and, and let them know we appreciate them and we love them. And So now, Lord, as we open up your word, we pray that you would speak into our hearts and help us to hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen. Amen. Hey, let me ask you a question right off the bat. Have you ever been in a foot race before? Come on. You you ever raced somebody before? Anybody in the house? Some of you guys are lying. You're in church. Amen. You, You ever raced somebody? I think it's safe to say that every one of us in this room, at some point in time in our lives... We've raced somebody, whether it was a foot race, whether it was something you did with your hands, whatever. At some point in your life, you raced someone. Now, here's what I want to say to you. By looking at me, you would think that I'm not very fast and you would be totally wrong. Okay, totally wrong. Because in my 7th and 8th grade year, I played football as a wide receiver for our football team. Now, not only did I play offense as a wide receiver, I played defense. I was a free safety. I was a cornerback as well. And so I did that. Now, I may not be the fastest guy around, but you put me on a small enough team, I'm pretty fast. Some of y'all catch that later. So I grew up thinking I was really fast until my eighth grade year. In my eighth grade year, we lined up against a team, and there was a young man. I'll never forget his name as long as I live. His name was Elmont. Elmont was his name, and Elmont was fast. 
So the coach told me, he said, Peacock, because that's what he called me. He said, Peacock, he said, uh, you need to watch him. He's fast. I'm going to put you on him. I said, Coach, I got him, baby. I got him. No problem at all. So we lined up. It's good. I'm looking at Elmom. I'm looking at the, at the quarterback. As soon as the quarterback hiked the ball, by the time my eyes got to where Elmont was supposed to be, Elmont wasn't there. I turned around. Elmont was 20 yards beyond me. A beautiful bomb, boom, caught, touchdown. Coach is livid. He's screaming on the sideline, where are you at? I said, I don't know. Won't have him again. <laughs> so we went on throughout the game. The next time I lined up against Elmont, I said, I'm going to give him a little room. Going to back up a little bit. Give him a little room. I was watching the quarterback. As soon as the ball was hiked, I looked, and out of my peripheral, I saw Elmont. I turned around and took off running. Now, in that moment, in that moment, I had one or two choices. I could either let Elmon obliterate me again, or I could just take it like a man fall down on the ground and claim my leg was hurt. So what do you think I did? <laughs> Fell all out, grabbed my leg. I'm hurt. Coach pulled me. He said, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. I think I'll be all right. Can you make it back in the game? No, I don't think I'm going to make this one, Coach. <laughs> that was the day it dawned on me, I'm not fast. Got a good heart, just not fast. Now, when you hear the word race in Hebrews chapter 12, run this race with endurance, this race that is set before us, your idea, if you're like me, the idea of running a race has to do with competition. It has to do with, you know, who's the fastest, who can beat who. And so when you look at a scripture like this in Hebrews chapter 12 and, and, and you read that, run your race, maybe your mind goes back to seventh and eighth grade. Maybe your mind goes back to the days where you raced against someone. Maybe your mind goes back to that time where you beat someone. But here's the problem. When you read a scripture like Hebrews chapter 12, and you take and put your own context into it, your own culture, your own background, and you impose it on the scripture, oftentimes it is misleading and it causes you to conclude some things about scripture that quite frankly are just not true. For instance, this race that the writer of Hebrews is talking about has nothing to do with competition, has nothing to do with comparing or speed or athletic ability, has nothing to do with that at all. Maybe when you read Hebrews 12 and you look at that word race, maybe your mind immediately goes to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 where the apostle Paul is talking about running a race. And the Apostle Paul said, don't you know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives what? The prize. So run that you may obtain it. And, and again, if you're not careful when you read a scripture like this, you, you may take on the mindset of the culture and you think that Paul is talking about we need to beat each other. That we need to be the person that, that wins. We need to obtain this, this prize as if it's some kind of gold or, or trophy. But you understand the prize that Paul is talking about is not gold. It's not recognition. It's not winning against another person. The prize is Jesus. That's what he's talking about. And so not only is Hebrews chapter 12 talking about in the context Jesus, 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about Jesus, and both scriptures are simply saying that in this life, you need to run towards Jesus, you need to run for Jesus, you need to run anticipating to be with Jesus for eternity. 
This idea that your life is like some frantic foot race, that you've got to beat the Joneses, you understand that's not the way we were designed to live. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say to compare or to compete is just simply not wise. And so again, when you see the word race here, you understand it's a different kind of race. It's, it's, it's a race that's ordered by God. So just like a runner has a lane, you've been given a pathway, a purpose, a direction. You've been given an assignment. Your life is not an accident. No matter what people may say, no matter even what your own emotions might say, your life is not an accident. You're not just kind of aimlessly going through life. You're not just here to take up space, but there is an assignment attached to your life. You have a lane, a gift, an ability, a call, a purpose from God. Your life is like a race, has order to it, which means it's not as random as you may think it is. So when we look at this word race here, and we we realize that it's not talking about a competitive race. It's not talking about a race between Elmont and myself. It's talking about a race to run toward Jesus. So when I look at this race, there's three things that I want to bring to your attention about this race, which is our life. The first one, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is an important one. You understand this is an endurance race. One of the defining characteristics of your life is will you last? Will you last? You know, it's interesting in the scriptures, one of the characteristics of a, of a life well lived is that you finish well. That you finish well. Your life is able to be finished well. And I know that over the past few months, because of COVID, it has slowed down a lot of the things that's going on. But let me just tell you what I'm noticing, what I'm seeing, is that as more and more things open up, the more and more our lives are filling up. Just like before. And so no matter what level you're at in this season of graduation, no matter where you're at, no matter if you're an adult, if you're a grandparent, if you're just coming into school, no matter where you're at, there's going to be something that you're going to have to step back constantly in this thing called life and look at what's going on around you and say, hey, can I sustain the way I'm currently living? If I'm looking 10 years from now, five years from now, can I keep doing what I'm doing at the pace I'm doing it? You know, in the culture we live in, everybody wants to talk about sexy Steve, but nobody wants to talk about steady Eddie. Come on, holler at me. What's about steady Eddie? You know, because that that steadiness, that consistency, that faithfulness, that's what we're looking for. But that kind of thing doesn't sell books. That kind of lifestyle doesn't, you know, you don't go to a movie theater and watch one guy doing the same thing for 50 years over and over and over. No, we want wild. We want action. We want, we want stuff that's just happening. But yet the scripture puts an overwhelming emphasis on you and I living a faithful life, a steady life. The question you have to ask yourself is, can you be the man or woman of God that he has called you to be living the life you're living right now? Can you be that? Can you live that faithful life? Because you understand that this race that we're in, it's not short-lived. It is, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. How many of you have ever heard that before? It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. 
But culture would have you to believe that you've got to do everything you can as fast as you can and get all you can. And that's what culture tells us. That's why our culture loves the 100 meter dash. It's a fun race. It's a fulfilling race. It is a race that determines who the fastest human in the world is. But it is a picture of our culture who is the fastest, who is the quickest in the shortest amount of time. But sometimes that kind of mentality is not always biblical. You know, in this writer, he was talking to the Hebrews. And so not only are there times in your life where you've got to step back from life and look at everything that is filling your life and say, hey, is, is what I'm doing sustainable? Is, is, this, is this keeping me on the path, the, 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 the track, the lane that God has for me? Or is this bumping me off? So you have to be willing to endure those moments and, and assess your life. But you also have to be willing to realize that life will throw you some curveballs. I would have never guessed life would have thrown me Elmon. Maybe it was God bringing a little humility in my life. Amen. Give me a little humility there. But life will throw you some curveballs. We talked about this last, last week, how all of us have this vision, this picture of what we want our lives to look like. But 99.9% .9 of the time, that picture usually doesn't happen the way we thought it would happen because life throws you curveballs. So at this time, when the writer of Hebrews is talking to these individuals, these men and women of God are up under extreme persecution right now. Life threw them some curveballs. And they're starting to wonder, is following Jesus, is it even worth it anymore? I mean, look at the world we're living in right now. And if you name the name of Jesus, man, you get all kinds of persecution. You come under all kinds of attacks. You know, the student minister, Mr. Bryan, has said that earlier. When you're in school, you've got to take a stand. Well, guess what? When you take a stand, there's going to be a lot of people that may stand against you. And so it's in those moments, here these individuals are, and they've lost businesses, they've lost family, they've lost, they've lost connection, they've lost reputations, they've even given their lives because they're willing to name the name of Jesus. And yet, this writer here, he's saying, hey, wait a minute, guys, this is an endurance race. These light and momentary afflictions are going to give way to a far more exceeding weight in glory. You know what he's saying? Don't give out a breath, but hold on. So step back sometimes and, and assess your life. Assess what's coming into your life. Step, step back sometimes and say, hey, things are not going well right now. There's a lot of things coming against me. But these light and momentary things I'm facing right now are going to give way one day. Because like Paul says, there's going to come a day where if I'm faithful to God and I endure to the end, he says, I've finished my race and I've kept the faith. And now there's the prize, the prize being Jesus. But you've got to be willing to pace yourself. Don't give out of breath. The fact is, a lot of us today are out of breath. We're out of breath physically. We're out of breath spiritually. We're out of breath emotionally. And if I could just be that guy to come up beside you and to just softly just say to you, hey, how is your soul? How is everything with you and God right now? Where is your life lining up at? 
Again, so many people today are talking about running as fast as you can, but what we fail to recognize is that this race that we're in is about lasting. And if you're running your life like it's a hundred meter dash, if you're sitting there and there's doubt and all of these things that are coming up in you, maybe because life didn't turn out the way you want it to, may the Spirit of the Lord be so kind to lean into you today and say, Hey, are you giving out of breath spiritually? How are you? You know, God wants us to recover that passion, that thrill that we once had. Do you remember those times where you used to read your Bible and it was so much life to you that you would pick up the phone and call somebody because you just had to tell them about it? Do you remember those days where you would just start spontaneously talking to Jesus, not because it was your prayer time, but because you just loved him that much and you wanted to have a conversation with him? Do you remember the times where you would just open that word and read it and tears flow down your face? Why? Because you loved him that much. If I could just be that pastor to lean into you today and say, Hey, there are times in your life where you're going to have to recover the spiritual vigor you once had. Because this race will wear you out if you're not careful. So you need to endure. And and again, I want to make this abundantly clear that life is not about the fastest. It's not about the quickest or the smartest or the coolest or the trendiest. But life is about those who are faithful. And you know who was faithful? It was Jesus. He is the standard of faithfulness for you and I. And listen to me, all through your life, people are going to come up and ask you, hey, what's your vision? Hey, Austin, what's your vision? Haley, what's your vision? Terry, what's your vision? You're going to hear that over and over and over again in your lives. What's your vision? But can I just be bold right here? And you may want to write this down. The greatest vision you can have in your life is to finish well. There's a vision for you. The greatest vision you can have in your life is to simply finish well. To make it to the end of the race, knowing you've left your family, knowing you've left everyone in the dust, what have you gained? You know, my, from, from my standpoint, one of my visions is simply be nicer. To be kinder, to, to carry one another's burdens, to care for people. Guys, let me ask you something. What if this life isn't what we've made it up to be? What if this life is literally about us becoming more like Jesus? Because success is going to come and go. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to define success anyway? Our definition of success and God's definition of success are totally different. From my standpoint, where I'm at in my family is for me to say, you know what? I just want to be a good dad and I want to be a great husband. And if I can do that, then I look at that as a success. To forgive easier. To not harbor bitterness. This is an endurance race. We've got to last. We've got to make it. Don't let your life fill up with things that have nothing to do with the path that God has put you on. Don't allow the curveballs in life to knock you off of the path that God wants you to be on. This is an endurance race. Will you last? Here's the second thing I notice about this race. Not only is it an endurance race, it's a connected race. It's not competitive. It's not comparing. It's connectedness. You know, I've heard it said before, maybe you have too, that our lives are metaphorically like a relay race. 
And I think we can kind of make the argument that that's what the writer of Hebrews here is talking about because he's zoning in on these Hebrews who are under incredible persecution. And what does he start doing right off the bat in chapter 11? He starts listing all of the heroes, the patriarchs, the forefathers of faith. And he's saying to them, hey, look at all these guys. Look at what they did. And then he gets to chapter 12 and he's like, hey, don't drop the baton. You're connected to them. And he's kind of like Moses did it, Abraham did it, Isaac did it, Enoch did it, Sarah did it. And after a while, you're like, man, I guess I better do it too. Yeah, that's right. It's time for us to run our leg of the race. And it's interesting because this writer here, he's actually putting these guys right in the middle of what they've received and what they're going to give And he says, hey, because you're connected to all of these heroes of faith, because you're connected to them and they finished well, you need to finish well. They're counting on you, much like a coliseum where there's an audience and they're cheering you on. If you can picture in your mind, this is what's taking place in heaven. There's men and women of God who have gone before you and they're cheering you on in your leg of the race and they're saying, hey, don't drop the baton. You got to endure Don't drop the baton. Keep moving forward. And really, that's what we're called to do in life. We're called to be Jesus. We're called to be a good example, to be holy. We're called to follow Him, to care for humanity, to be generous, to be kind. We're calling to do all of this. And God says, hey, this is what I need you to do. You might say, well, what does that really mean? It's not about just what you've been given, which is this relationship with God. It's about what God has called you to do, which is the same thing you've received. Give it away. Give the world the good news. If there ever was a time in history to give the world the good news, that time is now. And he's simply saying, hey, guys, you can't stop now. Don't drop the baton. Man, you've been serving God all of these years. Don't don't get to the finish line and you stumble and drop it. There's too many people that are cheering your own. You can't stop now. Carry the baton for your leg of the race because it's a connected race. Even when you look at God, he identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, With God, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. And if you read that, you're like, wait a minute, man, what, what does that mean? That simply means God is not limited in time or space. So therefore, oftentimes what happens is when one generation prays, the answer can come in the next generation because we're connected. We're connected. Our prayers are connected. It's not just about you doing you. You know, there's this kind of this, this attitude, oh, you do you, I'm going to do me, boo, you know, whatever, I'm just my, I'm my own person. No, we're connected together. So whether you know it or not, if you do something that hurts you, guess what? It's going to hurt me. Why? Because we're connected. Our prayers are connected. Our emotions are connected. Our relationship is connected. So when you hurt me, you hurt me because I love you. So if you do something to stumble, whether you know it or not, it affects everybody around you. So turn to somebody and say, don't drop the baton, yo. Don't drop the baton. This life of solitude is false, isn't it? 
God didn't mean for us to just simply be an island. We are community creatures and we're meant to feel each other's pain. So again, when we look at this thing which is our life, this this race, this lane that we've been given, this life that is ordered by God, you've got to be willing to endure, but you also have to be willing to understand that somebody ran the ground, somebody plowed it up, somebody did something for you to be where you are now, and they have passed something metaphorically owned to you and now it's your turn to run it life is a race but then here's the third thing that I want to give you not only is it an endurance race not only is it a connected race but there's something we've got to do in this race and that is lay aside every weight and every sin anything that keeps us from being consistent and steady and faithful. Lay it aside. Anything that clings to you. How many of you guys are runners in here? Any, any runners in the house? One back there. Any runners? Oh, now hands are going up. Oh, y'all all runners now. Okay. So, I'm not a runner. Okay. Just not built that way. Just not me. So, there have been times in Misty and I's relationship where she's like, Hey, we need to start walking. I'm cool with walking. I'll walk wherever you want me to walk. I'm good. But during the walk, she always gets a little, uh, I don't know, she gets a little head of me, and she says, hey, let's start running. I'm like, why? I'm getting the same place I want to get to just by walking. No need in running. And so she'll strike out and start running, and I'm like, because she knows I'm competitive, amen? She knows that, like Elmont. I ain't going to let you beat me. And so I start running with her. And I remember one time where we were running together, and I felt my heart literally, I felt something just like somebody's hand was squeezing my chest. And I immediately just stopped, and I went down on one knee in the middle of a highway. And I'm, I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to die. And you know what she did? She turned around, stopped and looked and said, you going to make it? I said, I don't know. She said, we got to go. I said, no, you got to go. Ain't no Jesus right now. You got to go. So she took off running, left me in the middle of the highway. Welcome to my world. Later on, she said, your clothes were too heavy. I'm like, no, I'm just, them sun drops and Twinkies, girl, that's just all it is. My daughter, Samantha, she used to, uh, to date a runner and uh, super, super young man, love him. And I'll never forget, he came by the house one day, and um, he had on running shorts. I, I, I don't know. You, <laughs> running shorts. Some of y'all laughing because y'all know what running shorts look like. I've never seen running shorts. I opened the door, and I'm looking... Like I'm looking at Miss Gina, I said, man, how you doing? Good to see you. And I looked one day, I was like, whoa, ho, ho, ho. You can go get you some clothing. 
So he, he walks in and he's just standing around and I'm like, my brother got on some shorts and all I, I, I'm just seeing all this. I'm like, this ain't jiving too well. Next thing I know, Samantha runs down the steps and grabs a blanket and puts around that guy because she knew it wasn't going to be a good day. The more I research that, though, it's, it's not uncommon because a runner wants to be, have on something as light as they possibly can. Because if you try to run in jeans or just a regular pair of shorts or a t-shirt or something, it, it literally weighs you down and keeps you from the lane that you're supposed to run in. And I begin to think about how sin operates the same way. When you're running your lane in life, not only do you have to endure, not only do you have to realize that, man, somebody else plowed this and now it's my turn to plow it for the next generation, you also have to be willing to take a deep look at your life and say, is there anything in me right now that's weighing me down? That's keeping me from accomplishing what, what God has called me to accomplish? Is, is, is there anything there? Because if that's the, if that's the point, if that's the, the key, and the question is, what are you going to do about that? You've got to get rid of it. You've got to lay it aside. Man, I saw a band, some band guys walk out. Are they, where are they at? Kind of leaving me hanging. Come on, brother. I need you, man. A runner. Life is like a race. Is it not? That's what it is. It's a race. We mistakenly feel like sometimes that life is about me beating someone, outrunning someone, comparing my life to someone. But that's not the race we're in, guys. Do you realize how much money you're going to make or not going to make and how many people are going to like you or not going to like you? You understand that a lot of that is not really under your control to a certain extent. Do you, you get that, right? You get that. Our lives have order to it. And we can be the men and women that God has called us to be as long as we stay in our lane. And for some families right now with seniors and your seniors are getting ready to leave and go off to college, that's transition time. That's, that's one of them times where you're like, man, I, just, I don't know what's this going to be like. You know, Caleb, my son, was up here and he's, he's graduating fifth grade. So for us, that means that He's no longer going to be in elementary school. He's now going to be in middle school. So that's different school. That's different bus. Him and Aiden are no longer together anymore in the school. They're no longer riding a bus together. So that, that, that brings about a whole separate set of rule changes in our home. Life is about the changes. It's about the shifts. Can you make the healthy shifts? If you're willing to focus on God and lean into Him and endure this thing, the healthy shift can come. 
If you're willing to look back and realize that there's men and women of God who have prayed for you, people that you may not even know, they've prayed for you, they've, they've tilled the ground for you, they've laid the work for you, and, and even though you physically can't see them dropping something in your hand, from a spiritual standpoint, there is a baton in your hand and you're carrying it whether you realize it or not. Because you're connected to the heroes of faith. There's things that God has called you to do that only you can do. And nobody else can do it but you. There's people you're called to reach that only you can reach. I can't reach them, but you can. Why? Because it's your race. It's your turn. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to go get some running shorts. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there may be times in your life where there's some stuff weighing you down. You got to strip it off. Because the race is more important than you ever dreamed or imagined. You know, my buddy Elmon comes to find out we started going to school together. Started playing on the same team together. But later on, El Moncri, he committed suicide. Because nobody understood his lane. Nobody understood where he was. Where are you at? Where has God called you to be and what's he called you to do? These are interesting times. Yes. If you'd have told me in January that by March the whole world would literally be shut down, I'd have told you you're crazy. But it happened. It happened. And so we all as a body of believers, regardless of, of, of race, regardless of background, regardless of where we are, we all as a body of believers find ourselves at the same place running a race. And it's your race. Mom, my mom is here. My mom cannot run my race for me. If she could run the race for them grandbabies, she would because she spoils them boys to death. I can't run the race for my kids, all four of them. But what I can do is make sure that I endure my leg. And I realize there's some people who've gone on before me who've done something for me. And I take that so serious that I realize that I've got to be faithful and I've got to endure because there will come a time where I'm going to pass something on to them. And then it's going to be their time. So as I look at my life and look at where I am right now on this day in June, I'm assessing, saying, God, is there anything that's weighing me down? Because this is too important for me to fail. I've got to get this right. 
And God is calling all of us as a family, as a body of believers. He's saying, hey, can you endure? Hey, can, can you stay in your lane? Hey, can you realize that, that heaven is full of, of our forefathers, our patriarch, these men and women of God that are cheering you on? Hey, can you be willing to lay aside the, the stuff that may cling to you in life so that at the end of the day, you can say, as Paul said, man, I've, I've finished this race. I've finished my leg. I've kept the faith. And because of that, there's a prize. And the prize is not gold. It's not silver. It's not you beating the other person. The prize is Jesus. Stand with me all over the house. Father, we love you. Thank you for this, this race, this life that you've given all of us. God, help us to take to heart the things that you've called us to do and this leg of this race you've called us to run. Father, give us strength and equip us. Because Lord, there may be times in our lives where we find ourselves just like these Hebrews were. They were up under extreme persecution. And there's this doubt and there's this stuff coming up in them and they're like, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it anymore. I, I, I don't know if I need to keep running. I, I just don't know. But in those moments, God, may this Scripture sound in our hearts these light and momentary afflictions will soon give way to the eternal weight of glory. And so God, help us and equip us. Just bow your heads all over the house. Let me just speak to your heart for a moment. You know, maybe you come in here today and we're celebrating these graduates and it is an honor to do that. There's cupcakes waiting for you guys outside. It's a great day. And maybe you said, man, I'm just coming today because somebody invited me. No, I don't look at it that way. I look at this as an ordained moment that God brought you here for such a time as this to let you know that you are important you are not an accident. There is purpose that is attached to your life. And you've got a lane to run. You've got your race. The question is, will you run it? And so if you've come in here today and you say, man, Pastor, I've, I've heard all of this and, and, and man, God is speaking into my heart and I've never accepted Him as my Savior. I've kind of been doing my own thing. I've, I've been running my own race, but, but I'm ready to come back. I want to give God my life. I want to give Him my heart because I know that in this moment that God has, has an ordained moment for me. And if that describes you, would you just be willing to raise a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. I want to receive Him as my Savior and as my Lord. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Pastor, man, I'm going through some, some trials and some tribulations. I've got some persecution right now. There's some doubt. There's some things that are happening. If that describes you and you say, Pastor, could you just pray for me? Could you just slip a hand and put it down? Just slip a hand. God sees the hand. Sees the hand. I'm just going through some stuff right now, Pastor. Just really need some prayer.
Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these individuals who have raised their hands, these individuals who are going through things that, Lord, let's just face it, we don't know what other people are going through. But God, we do know that you are our God, our Father, our Lord. You care about every detail of our life. And so, Father, right now, we lay our needs, we lay these burdens at the foot of the cross, and we say, God, help us with what we're dealing with. Whether it's sickness, whether it's, whether it's something that has attacked the family, something that has attacked the individual, God, we just break it in Jesus' name. And we put it at your feet. And we pray for healing all over this place. And God, we thank you again for these moments. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen. amen. Give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house.